Can you reach the lost by telling stories? Stick around and we'll talk about that and a whole lot more with our special guest on this episode of Here at Home. Welcome to the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love for Jesus. My name is Mark Bricker, your host for the Here at Home podcast. And joining me on today's podcast are Arturo and Jordan Tovar. And we are so excited to have you. Well, I say we, I, and I'm sure our listeners are too, once they get to know you. So glad to have you on the Here at Home podcast. And this is a little bit of an unusual circumstance in that normally you guys are in Peru as missionaries, serving as missionaries but you're here in the States, in Fort Myers, because of our GIC, our Global Impact Celebration this weekend, which we just completed yesterday. And so grateful that you're taking some time out to sit down and chat with me before you head back to Peru. So again, welcome, glad you're here. Thank you, such a blessing to be here. Yeah, this your first podcast? Yes, it is oh, right. our first. I love that because I have most of my guests. It is their first podcast, so you're not you're not alone in that at all. Now, you guys serve as missionaries in Peru, and we're going to get to that and what you're doing there in Peru, and really way beyond Peru now. Uh, but before we get to that. I would love for our people to get to know you a little bit better. And I thought a great way for them to get to know you is to hear a little bit of your own stories. And so uh, I'd love for them to hear how you came to know the Lord as well as how you got together. So, uh, and I, I know bits and pieces of some of those, but uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the whole thing. So Jordan, tell us a little bit about your, your, your coming to know the Lord, maybe even where you were born and, and raised and some of that background information. Sure. Um, I grew up in Hickory, North Carolina, really small town by the mountains. And my parents, um, they started bringing me to a Southern Baptist church. And so I grew up under great preaching and ended up coming to the Lord at a very early age. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 10 sitting in a balcony on a Wednesday night service and just remember the the pastor talking about Jesus and how he died for us and really took our place. Mm -hmm. And he was perfect in our place. And for me, even as a, as as a 10-year-old, I had this little like perfectionist complex where I was thinking, mm. you know, if I can just make good grades and have good behavior, I'll get more praise from my parents if I could just be perfect. And realizing I would never reach that, mm. but it was okay because Jesus reached that for me right. and then he took my place and died for me. Yeah. And just even as a child, having that childlike faith in him, um, it just changed changed my world forever. And that's how I started my walk with Jesus. Mm. Did you have any idea that, uh, or what point did you think you might be involved in, in missions, especially full-time vocational missions? Yeah, well, so that was the very beginning. <laughs> and so staying in that at church, even through walking through you know the teens and some of the harder years, um, we had missionaries that would come in and speak for like the Lottie Moon season. And I remember just being so touched by their stories and hearing how God just, God still performs miracles today mm. and how he wants every tongue and every nation to hear his word and to hear the good news and hearing their stories about how he provided at every turn, even just hearing their stories, I, I begin to feel stirrings in my heart that, wow, maybe that's something I could do one mm. day. Yeah, that's neat. You know, um, a lot of our listeners might not even know who Lottie Moon was, but that was, she was a, a missionary mm. and that was our Southern Baptist, many churches, and still today some do, emphasize that that 
foreign mission emphasis in their churches by calling it the Lottie Moon. What did you offering season? Yes. Or, well, yeah, because we talked about her and, and her sacrifice and commitment to go and to serve overseas. Uh, we do that through our GIC here uh, and have an opportunity for folks to, to come in contact with missionaries. So yes, yeah, so important to, to, to hear what God is doing in people's lives, especially at a young age. And yeah. so that's neat how God was already stirring that. Uh, Arturo, what about you? Well, <laughs> I, I was an atheist before, like, obviously coming to the Lord. And as an atheist, I was also a professor. I, I taught in university. Mm. Um, but IMB, the uh, International Mission Board, had a program that it was um, for interpreters, uh, for learning English. And I was the worst in English. I failed many times when I was in high school and everything, but because it was kind of like just practicing, no grammar, nothing, I started attending to those. And eventually I got good enough that I was able to interpret for teams. Oh. And um, I interpret for many teams for many years. And uh, because I was a professor, I loved to argue. <laughs> and what I, kind of professor were you? I, I was teaching um, social systems research, uh, philosophy, system science, mm. and urban design. Okay. Um, so it, all the teams came with different methodologies, how to share the gospel, and I love to argue with them. But there was a specific team that came to Peru uh, using Bible stories, and that was McGregor. Mm. McGregor Baptist Church came with different Bible stories. I was helping them to interpret. But when you interpret, three or four times the same story, you already learn it. Yeah. So they were gracious enough, wise enough, and I think was God's direction, that they let me share the Bible stories. It was an atheist sharing Bible stories <laughs> with people in a village. Yeah. And because I was an engineer, like my goal was to get their goals accomplished. So over a period of three years, that's how I stubborn I was. God used those stories to bring conviction. Every time that I was doing something that I was not aligned with the Word of God, a Bible story popped up in my head. Mm. And I was like, but this story says something different. That had to be kind of frustrating, not, not being a believer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was weird. It was something different. So one day um, I was in, in some delusionary in Peru, and um, I told the Lord, like, if you're real, I need to know, I need, I need to feel something. And I want you to clean me because I'm dirty and save me. Mm. And he did. Mm. And um, the next day I thought maybe that was just a feeling. Lord confirmed this. Mm. I knew that God saved me in that day, that moment. The next day that I asked for confirmation, I got a phone call saying that I need to go back uh, very quickly to Lima because my father had an accident. Mm -hmm. So I flew back to Lima and uh, I arrived, but he was already dead. Mm -hmm. he, he, 30 minutes earlier, like in my arrival. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, God gave me peace, a peace that I couldn't understand that the world doesn't understand. And that was a confirmation, but also was my call because my father, um, Adopted father, <laughs> adopted father. Mm. He was from the mountains. He spoke Quechua. He was um, that people that didn't get the gospel in a way that they could understand. Mm. That is through Bible stories. 
So in that day, I decided, okay, I will do this full time. I quit my job and I started going on mission trips with teams. I am being invested a lot. So wait a minute. So you're working as a professor and a translator. And the day after you come to know the Lord, your father passes away. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, you just quit everything and begin to go full time into, I want to get the, those stories to this, this people group. Exactly. Wow. So from there, like, um, I am be invested a lot in training me, like praise God, like, um, let me pause there when we use the IMB or International Mission Board, just to make sure our listeners know that is the Southern Baptist um, arm of foreign missions, uh, global missions around the world. And so it's a pretty large organization that has, you know, I don't know how many, several thousand mission mm -hmm. missionaries around the world. And so they are the ones that are now investing in training you, correct? Y yes. Okay. Like they, they did it. They sent me different trainings and I started using whatever they they taught me, and, and it funny fact that uh, because I was traveling with so many uh, teams when I was not a believer, and I saw them in the field sharing the gospel like 10 times each person with different people, I thought that every single believer was doing that in their lives, mm. sharing the gospel 10 times a day with different people. So when, I've, when God saved me the first time, I was like, okay, we're the 10 people. That's what I got to do. <laughs> but that's how I started my walk. And that was my call to missions, even though I didn't know in mm. the moment. Yeah, pretty radical call, salvation and the, the call to, to missions right there. Mm. That's awesome. So how did the two of you end up from Hickory, North Carolina to Lima, Peru and, and villages outside of there, that area? Well, um, so I was, uh, searching for ways to get more involved in my church and doing uh, different service projects with my church, but I was really interested in missions. And so I went to a missions meeting at my church and they had different people groups at the end. They said, just choose whoever the Lord's putting on your heart to pray for and pray for that people group. And so I ended up praying for the Yanisha, which is a tribe in the Peruvian jungle. Hmm. A couple months later, I end up on a plane heading to Peru on a mission trip to go serve the Yanisha. Wow. And when we arrived, it ended up that Arturo was our interpreter. Mm. <laughs> so that's how we met at 2 a.m. And he checked us into a hotel and I couldn't pronounce his name. So <laughs> that's how we met and ended up for nine days um, on a trip in the jungle doing research. Now, was he born again at that time? Yes. Okay. So this is post. Uh, so oh, we're yeah. keeping the timeline mm -hmm. Going there, okay. Yes. So you're you're on a your was this one of your first mission trips, or you've been on other trips out of the country? Uh, this is my first international mission. Okay. Trip, yeah. So. Awesome. Okay. So back to it. <laughs> so he um, he knew enough. He was our cultural contact, which is so important to have on any mission trip mm -hmm. internationally. And he knew enough to know that we needed permission to be in this certain area of the jungle. And our missions director had kind of been like, yeah, I'm sending you a really young group. They don't know what they're doing. Just take care of them. That's been his directions to our duo. Keep them alive. <laughs> Keep them alive. So, <laughs> and get them back alive. He had no idea what we were doing. And um, fortunately, our duo did. And yeah. <laughs> we get kind of dropped off into the jungle. The truck leaves and you're just looking around and it's just jungle. There are no people, no houses. And he's like, let's go find a man of peace. And we're like, where? <laughs> so we just start walking down this road until, you know, maybe an hour later, we come across a group of men with machetes cutting grass. 
And we're all like, uh, that doesn't look that doesn't look safe. And Arturo's like, no, let's go talk to them. And so this was the whole trick, basically, him just pushing us out of our comfort zones. And we go there, and lo and behold, one of the men spoke Yanisha and Spanish, and he was a believer. Oh, wow. And he offered us to stay in his home that week for those eight days. And we just hung our hammocks and stayed with him that week. So that was the man of peace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the biggest challenges on that trip was he asked one of us if we could tell a Bible story. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I've got this. And, you know, I've sat on a, a, a church pew for years now. I yeah. can tell a Bible story. Yeah. And I proceeded to tell a Bible story incorrectly. Like I, <laughs> I just mixed two stories together, apparently, and told it wrong. And he was gentle <laughs> in his corrections. Like, oh, no, that's, this is how it actually goes. Yeah. Um, but I was really convicted because I thought I knew the word well. And I couldn't even tell a simple Bible story. Mm. And I realized the people that we were trying to reach, they, they didn't have the Bible translated into their language yet. So how was I going to share the gospel with them? I couldn't give them a track. I couldn't point to somewhere in the Bible. How was I going to share? And so that was my first introduction to Bible storing mm -hmm. and being challenged at how well do I have the word written on my heart? Yeah. So at this point, you're just he's just your your guide, your leader, your translator. There's no thinking that there's something unique here in the relationship or did Not for me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we had to hike to, to go to a village where they didn't see foreigners before. Mm -hmm. So she volunteered with some other guy and I was going. Like we were a team of six, two interpreters, like a lady interpreter, me, and uh, two guys, two, girl, two girls. So we start hiking. It was like an hour and a half or two hours hiking. And I saw her hiking and carrying bamboo to helping some of the natives and crossing rivers and facing these dangerous caterpillars that could paralyze you. And I was like, wow. <laughs> um, so I, I was kind of like, okay, this, this is the kind of girl like, yeah. I mean, that I would love to spend my life with. Mm. Yeah. But that was, that was just it, you know, it's yeah. her attitude. Mm. So end up the trip and you go back to the States or is there, yeah, so um, like, we're always kind of out of order storytelling sometimes when it comes to our story. <laughs> but towards the end of that trip, we did end up going to the, the village that the guy recommended that had never seen foreigners before. So we arrived there, and it's, it's kind of this feeling of like, you know, I feel like someone's watching me, but I don't see anyone. And then our guide just kind of walks off and leaves us. So we're feeling a little vulnerable. And then we see women and children peeking out from behind their huts. And so he gathers them all into the center of the village. And I start telling the story of Jesus calms the storm and he translates it. And yeah, yes, uh -oh. go ahead. <laughs> first, first, <laughs> to break the eyes, I told her, I asked her, do you know any song? And she went blank probably. And she started like singing. I get down by audio adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> and she's doing the motions in English and the kids and the ladies start like doing the same <laughs> motions and it broke the eyes easily and then she told the story. So one more thing that you were thought, wow, she's, she's pretty amazing. Yeah, she is. <laughs> That's the only worship song that came to my mind in the middle of the jungle. Uh, it worked. <laughs> and um, I'm in the middle of telling this story when the, the storm hits the boat and the men came back to the village. They had been hunting, oh. and they just start yelling at us, very aggressive, have their bow and arrows, have weapons, and we have no idea what they're saying, but they're yelling at the guy that brought us and yelling at us. And it's the first moment where I thought, I'm going to die. Mm. 
Like, this is my moment. This is going to be an end of the spear kind of moment. No one's going to hear from me again. How will they ever find me? And I was just overcome by fear. And I remember the Lord impressed upon my heart before the trip, I am your shield. Hmm. And so I began to pray for protection. And as I'm praying, God just clearly spoke and told me, you don't have to be afraid because I'm on the boat with you. It doesn't matter, like this storm, I'm with you. And I just had overwhelming peace Hmm. that I can't explain. And so I finished praying and just waited, maybe five minutes, which felt like an eternity. And they calmed down, and then it was translated twice back to me. They want to hear the story. (laughs) (laughs) And so I told them the story. We had a little bit more dialogue, and then we left. Wow. And as I was walking away from that encounter, I realized everyone dies at some point, right? Mm And if I'm going to die for something, I want to die for, for Jesus because He already died for me. Mm-hmm. So I want to live for Him, specifically bringing the gospel to places where they haven't heard it before, where people are isolated and they don't have their language, the Bible in their language yet. Mm. So that was my call to cross-culture missions. And um, just as we went out of that trip and I went back to the States and Arturo and I were still in contact, just really trying to apply this concept of orality wherever I was. Mm, That's really cool. And I love how I'm asking you to tell me the story of how y'all came together, but it keeps coming back to what God's called you to do Mm -hmm. and serving and how he was growing you and developing. Because I think he was doing that to prepare you for what was to come together. Uh, So you go back to the States, you stay in contact Mm -hmm. after that. Yes. What did that look like? Like emails and? Uh, Skype in the time. Skype, Before Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we were like, talking back and forth. She started her, wanted to start her own group of storytelling mm. in the States with her friends. So we were talking how that would look like. Right. Kind of telling her different stories that she could use. And she, what impressed me also in that moment is she learned, she applied. Mm. So. So you're still teaching, training, you know, <laughs> from a distance now, but obviously it was becoming more than just that, right? Right. Because I, I saw her heart, like mm. she had a heart for cross-cultural missions. Mm. So I was like, okay, God, now is when you have to impress her <laughs> to Peru. <laughs> just like. I think for me, something that I was missing in terms of um, finding a partner in life was I never felt like guys were on the same spiritual maturity level as I was mm-hmm. since I did get saved at an early age. So when I saw him on the mission trip, and I saw his heart for people, mm. like he just has a heart of service mm. and how he loved the people. I mean, it doesn't matter if someone needs help, he's gonna help them. Yeah. And the way that he was able to, to lead me and encourage me and iron sharpens iron. I had never experienced that before. And yeah, that was something I saw in him in the trip and something that was continued to be impressed upon me that we have the same heart yeah. and that us together is going to give God more glory than us apart. So at what point did did it go from just being good friends and admiring one another's heart for the Lord that it became more romantic and, and eventually marriage? It, it was like over the, the days or the months, we started not just talking about the story. We were just asking about our personal lives, how are you doing, what's going on, and that started transitioning into more like, okay, Probably this is my partner for life. Mm. And I remember on November of 2015, it's when um, 
actually she did she said you know like i know we're going through this and give me give me a week we're not going to talk at all hmm. and um <laughs> i will pray and like, perfect pray <laughs> and i was praying i was in the mission trip and um at the end of the mission trip we talked together and um um, we decided to start taking that romantic path mm. in this in the distance still yeah and um after that like a couple months after that i talked to her dad and now uh, through zoom to tell <laughs> skype. To, uh, skype skype sorry yeah. skype uh, to tell him like uh, i want to date your daughter mm. but my intention is to see if the lord leads us into marriage, marriage. um so that that was the transition wow so when did you officially ask her to marry you and, and how did that happen oh okay i'm very bad to do surprises like i i'm, I'm not like uh if i wanted to surprise her i always ruin it a couple of days before <laughs> so i i made a ring of wood like um actually she had it right there um i think yes <laughs> but um it I brought it to States on Thanksgiving Day on 2017, but my plan was not to plan, because if I plan it, I would give it away. You give it away, yeah. So we were walking, I was carrying it always with me, <laughs> and we were walking on the woods behind her, her old house, and, um, and suddenly she showed me a, a tree where she carved like the names of her sisters and her own name and everything. I said, this is the perfect place. Oh. And the problem is I don't, I'm not native English speaker, so I don't know how to ask questions. I said, I, I don't know what is it. Would you, uh, would you like to marry me? Would you like to marry me? I said, yeah, of course. Would you like to marry me? And I went to my knee and, would you like to marry me? And she understood that I was trying to ask. Yes, propose in that moment, yeah. And I opened the ring and, <laughs> oh, how cool. And you said yes. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd like to. Oh, You're yes. asking me. <laughs> that was 2015? No, no, that was... That was 2017. 2017. Okay, it was 2015 when you asked about yeah, well, father. 2016 when I asked. Okay. 2015 she came, 2016 I asked, 2017, 2017. Uh, okay. a proposal. Awesome. Now, so you've been married for a little over five years, mm -hmm. and I know your family has expanded. You have a one-year-old as of today. Yes. It's Nathan's birthday. Exactly. Cutest little guy. Oh, my goodness. What a, Every time I'd see him this weekend, it just he'd like make me smile with his big <laughs> smile. Uh, so so let's let's transition now for the last part of our time together and talk a little bit about you know what God's been doing through the ministry. Maybe even explain first of all kind of what the ministry is. You've already alluded to it through the storytelling and what you do, but maybe a little bit fuller explanation of that and kind of where you are now and what God is 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 opening up doors. Um, what we do it's um, tell stories, yeah. Bible stories, obviously, but we partner with U.S. churches. U.S. churches have been coming to Peru for many years as teams for a week, but and usually they make great connections with people. Some people get saved and it's beautiful, but when they leave, they have no churches mm. to go, no community to attend. So part of what we do is we go back to these places, we coordinating with a sending church or like a the church who has adopted that area. We stay there for five months and we gather the people, the believers, or if there's no believers but friends, we share the gospel and then gathering them into a house with the hope that it becomes a house church. Mm -hmm. But we use just Bible stories because these people cannot read, cannot write. Some of them, they don't have the Bible in their own language or only the New Testament or is being like outdated. It's like 30 year old 
Bible and the language have evolved. So we use Bible stories, and with Bible stories, we teach them how to lead themselves as a house church. And then we train other partner churches in Peru of how to craft new Bible stories that are biblical, accurate, short, like um, and replicable. Mm-hmm. And they start bringing Bible stories to this small group. Right. Mm-hmm. So you go in uh, for five months. So do you? Where do you stay during those five months? Usually, we do a research trip. Um, a couple of months before to look for a house, we can rent a house mm-hmm. and, and talk to the people and try to get a place where we can stay for those first five months. Usually the next year, we come back for three months. The first month, the first five months is to gather people and to model a house church. Right. The next three months is we're going through a set of acts, Bible stories, to, sharp, to, to shape the house church. Mm-hmm. What is a church? What's mm-hmm. their functions? And the next year we come back for a month with the second part of Acts, where is how you on missions and mm-hmm. try to take the house church into the next village that they can reach. Yeah. That can be one hour walking, one hour by bus, whatever they want, and start a little sharing the gospel, a little community there. So it's a three phase process, ideally. Ideal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and you've been doing this already. And yes. In village. So how's the, how does it work typically as far as the in five months typically are you leaving at that point with a, a house church kind of established and going at that point? Yes. Uh, usually at that point, the house church already knows how to go through the bubble stories. We try to provide for more bubble stories sometimes and, and we're still refining the process. Uh, they finish all the bubble stories and they go back to the Bible that they have, and they stumble a little bit because they cannot read or write or understand very well. So the next time we come with more Bible mm-hmm. stories so they can continue yeah. the process. I love that whole process, but it ultimately ends where they're now going and doing what you have done with them, now they're doing with another village. And this is also very cool. Like, um, in one of the villages is in Wanuko, they use the rocket stoves. And the rocket stoves mm-hmm. um, were taught to us through McGregor. McGregor was the one who brought this technology to, mm-hmm. to the mission field. So yeah. we use that, and they use that to reach other reach village. villages with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Uh, t- talk a little bit about uh, the, I know in the news, we're hearing a lot about the uh, political unrest in Peru and even, you know, things being shut down, tour sites being shut down because of it. How is that impacting you? Because you guys are getting ready to get on a plane in a couple of days and head right back. And within another month or so, month, you're heading off to start this five month process mm-hmm. in a village. How is that going to impact you guys? Or is it? Well, I think a lot of the roads that are leading into Lima are blocked right now. And if anyone tries to cross where it's blocked, it becomes violent. Mm. So, I mean, cars are having, they'll take rocks and, and cr- just smash the windows in. They'll, uh, they're putting huge things and barriers and setting things on fire in front of the road so you can't get through. Um, and so that's, it's really cutting off the supply of food that comes into the city. It's also people are out of jobs because they can't go back and forth out of the city. And then you have the people that are out of jobs counter protesting. So it's just growing. Mm. Um, so there's just a lot of um, um, just people who are unsettled and dissatisfied. And for us, affecting us on a day to day basis, I mean, prices are inflated. Mm. Um, you're having less and less access to things. But the biggest obstacle will be the route that we would currently take to the village we're supposed to go to in March is blocked. Mm. So that road has to open back up for us to be able to drive eight hours to the village we need to go to. Right. 
And that, what a great prayer request for folks to be praying that uh, you'll able to be able to get there safely. And uh, yeah. this will hopefully begin to die down. I don't know what the what they're forecasting for this, but how did I know you mentioned yesterday about the anti-American sentiment? How mm -hmm. does that? Do you feel a little vulnerable at times uh, because of that? Yeah, I mean, there are times. I mean. We're always vulnerable in some sense or another, but there, we always have the same protector as well. I mean, right. God's just with me today, just like mm -hmm. he was that day in the jungle. Mm -hmm. And I know that he's going to lead us where we need to be and where we need to be there. Mm -hmm. um, there have been some incidents with people in our church where they've gotten kind of close to people that have set fires next to their cars and like they had kids in the back of the car. So that can be scary. Um, but no, I just, I trust God trust, to, take, yeah. to take care of us. Yeah, amen. Well, I so appreciate y'all taking time out of your schedule before you head out of here uh, to sit down and, and share with me. And I know our listeners have been blessed to hear uh, your story, uh, as well as the fact that your ministry is entitled Go Tell Stories. Uh, do you have a, a website that they can go to to, to, to find out information? Yes, it's www.gotellastories.org. And I would just uh, encourage listeners, like anyone can tell a story. Yes, anyone can. Absolutely. So go tell stories wherever you are. Mm. And everyone loves to hear stories. Yeah. We just know that these stories are true. And they change lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So go tell stories.org to see more. And I know y'all have a, you can, can you sign up for your, uh, like an email list on that website as well? An email update yes. kind of a thing? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Well, we'll encourage that. Maybe we can even get that in the, in the show notes as well. And also if they're interested to see how this works, it was a couple of years ago at one of our GICs that you actually did this in our worship center on a Sunday morning, uh, which is not the typical size of what you would do that, but you pulled it off in an amazing way. So we could actually, I mean, people could go back and watch that, uh, that video from that GIC. Maybe we'll be able to even pull a link and put that in the show notes as well. So thank you guys so much. This wraps up another episode of Here at Home. And I want to thank Arturo and Jordan, uh, Jordan for joining us today and thank our listeners also for being a part of our Here at home podcast community and if you're listening for the first time i would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast because that's what you guys are going to do right you're going to go and subscribe so you'll know every time a new episode comes out especially the one that says arturo and jordan guest uh, you'll want to listen back to this so thanks for listening and we'll see you back in a couple of weeks right back here at home